Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, you're not sweating real thing sweat is tea. like everybody else. You're actually sweating tea. Pure <laughs> PG tips goodness. That's going to stain that technical clothing. <laughs> it is running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show. Another episode of Running with Jake, the plod, 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 the plod. Cast. You would think by now I would know how to say the show. We did have a big debate over this. The title of the show before episode one, we were saying, what, what should we call the show? The Plodcast. I think it's a great title, but sometimes I do struggle to say it. I trip over it a little bit. Do you still like the name, Pete? Plodcast? Are we still going to go with that? <laughs> I do still like the name. I think we're going with it. I mean, bearing in mind we've done... We don't need a rebrand? We, we don't need a rebrand. We've done a lot of episodes, and I think uh, the Plodcast is absolutely fine. People get it. And if, for whatever reason, you are picking the part, the Plodcast up halfway through, I got it wrong then, um, you can <laughs> go back to episode one and uh, have a listen to our argument slash discussion about the name of the show. I think we nailed it, if I'm honest. Plodcast. We just have to learn to say it, right? We do have to learn to say it. And I think if there are new listeners to the show, because we pick up new listeners each week around the world, they find our little show, they stumble upon us, maybe we should give them an idea of what our show is all about. Because if they've just listened to these these few minutes, these few seconds of us us falling over our words, not being able to speak at all, (laughs) we don't drink during the show. I just... Can I just put that out there? We really do not drink during the show. unless, Unless, obviously... We we really need to. No, we don't. We don't do that at all. We don't do that. We don't. Obviously, we inject our eyeballs, but we don't drink. <laughs> you know, that would be just, just wrong and inappropriate. But, yeah, basically, you've stumbled across our show, and it's, uh, it's Jake, who's a running coach, and, you know, you enjoy uh, coaching people, and now you're doing it via the podcast. I am just a fat producer who's very much a non-running That guy, is not so true. He the, is not the fat producer, the if you have seriously just found our show. He's not. He does class himself, Pete, as the non-running guy of the show. Recently found running. You've been influenced by the show and that's what the show's all about we want to influence we want to inspire you we want to motivate you to get more out of this sport the hobby that you have chosen which is running let's crack on with the show for the show notes and video content go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast running with jake the podcast Pete, I know, you, I know you're going to find this really, like, incredibly difficult to believe. You will find this difficult to believe. How so? I'm really, really excited about our next guest. Like, I'm, like, like super excited. And I, I actually feel like we've already done the podcast, because before we started recording, we've been chatting for about an hour about life <laughs> and about the French Alps and about running and coaching and, oh, podcasting. This is going to be great. So today's guest, let me get into it, is Edwina Sutton. Fellow podcaster, fellow running coach, living in the French Alps, which sounds rather marvellous. Edwina, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Good morning, good morning. Morning! It is early, it's Saturday morning, but I'm so... Do you know, I was so excited. I was... Before we started recording, I was hanging out my washing, uh, multitasking, and I was thinking, I'm so excited to come on a podcast where someone else is going to ask the questions and I don't have to think of the questions and as they're talking be thinking where's this going next where's this going next <laughs> what they're going to say next i can just carry on i can just waffle and someone else is in charge so yeah thanks Crap. So much did you me. not did you not get the memo did oh, you not get the memo we're, we're the switching script. things up today <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, asking yeah. me you're asking the questions 
Oh, Let's no. Let's get deep. Let's get deep. <laughs> what might be more entertaining is if Edwina asked Pete the questions. Yeah. That would be really entertaining. Yeah, all is, running related. I, because I'm a non-running guy, I don't know any of the answers, so I'll just make it up. Well, that's what we all do. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> Full transparency. Everything you hear on the show is just completely made up. <laughs> just twittering. Look, we're going to get into a great chat about all things running. I want to know a bit more about you and your life and running and how things are over there. Obviously, coaching as well. But it's Saturday morning. We're just, you know, waking up slowly. I think we should do a bit of a breakfast comparison. I'll kick things off. I had porridge with a little sprinkle of cinnamon. Almost reached for the garam masala out the cupboard. Spotted it at the last minute. It was cinnamon. Blueberries, banana. Pete, what did you have this morning? Um, I had a cinnamon and raisin bagel. And then I thought to myself, that's not enough. I need more. So I had um, <laughs> I had fried egg on toast as well. I know. Double. I know, Straight I after know. each other. That is yeah. a, quite a combination. A taste well, combination. Well, the issue is... Is Edwina? I made my I made my um, my wife something to eat before she went out. She goes to work this morning, so I thought, well, I'll, and she wanted um she wanted a fried egg, and and I smelt it, and I'm going, oh, I've got to have that too. So yeah, that was a, that was a problem. Anyway, what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> I am such a boring breakfast person. I have got three kids, and Saturdays are supercharged with activities. Mm. So I've already been up. It's ten o'clock. I've been up for what like six hours already. Oh, I've done man. so many breakfasts for other people. So I literally just have peanut butter on toast but I do have four cups of tea oh quit four it four cups of tea unbeatable <gasps> wow so wow. what I do is I wake up like six get up I train and I have like a cup of tea before I train, obviously. Then I'll have, a, sometimes I'll have a cup of tea. If I'm doing like an indoor bike session, while I warm up, I'll still be trying to get the caffeine in. To <laughs> then I finish and I've sweated so much that I'm like, oh, I need more tea. And now I'm just, ha- this is my fourth cup now. Wow. I'm a, wow. I am a tea addict, a yeah. tea addict. But you're effectively tea loading. That's what you're doing there. You're tea loading. And this I tell is, you this what. This is interesting. Brexit has ruined me because now we can't get PG tips. Can't get the bags. Can't get the bags. So I have to do this, like, illegal dealing with people coming over. (laughs) And my last box of 240 PG tips cost me 11 euros. Wow. 11 euros. A box of 240. It's not going to last you that long when you're... Less than a week. Blimey, that's impressive. That's impressive. And you're not sweating real sweat like everybody else. You're actually sweating tea. Pure PG tips goodness. Oh, yes. That's going to stain that technical clothing. It is. You look very nice this morning, but it's going to get stained, I'm telling you. That's going to happen. Look, you've got to to take it underground. If you can't get your hands on, on, on the tea bags... Got to take it underground. Hopefully, You've got to. the needs must. officers don't listen to the podcast. If they do, they'll understand, especially if they've got kids. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. We don't have listeners. People don't listen to this show. It's fine. We'll be okay. When you agreed to come on the show, Edwina, you probably thought we were going to talk about running. No, we're just dead nosy. We want to know what you had for breakfast, how much tea you drink. What are you doing in France? What's that all about? How long have you been now? I want yeah, to know. Yeah, this is our seventh year living the life in France now. Um... It's a sort of like really not very exciting story. I can make it sound more exciting, but basically we had um, we had the kids. My husband was brought up in France and went through the French education system. Kids were just about to start school and we sort of turned to each other and went, if we're going to go and live in France, which had sort of been a pipe dream and we wanted the kids to be bilingual, we have to go now before they started school. And I was a bit scared, didn't speak any French. 
um, was kind of settled in England. And I, we said, let's put the house on the market, see what happens. If it sells, we'll go. We put the house on the market on Monday morning and Tuesday evening it had sold and we were on our way to France. So wow. That's, wow. That was it. We, literally. And I just had the third baby. And anyone that's just had a baby knows that you're like completely, I was unable to make any decisions, do anything. So I said to my husband, right, if you want to do this, you need to find us a house and a school and move us, basically. And I will come, but I cannot make any big decisions. Um, we had three kids under five at the time. So he came out to France. We basically put a pin round Geneva where he works and said, you can have a 90-minute drive. Um, we looked for houses for sale. And he came out. He found the house. He bought it. I didn't even see it before we moved in. <laughs> and we packed That's some serious up. trust. <laughs> serious trust. And seven years ago... It sounds like really like crazy, but the kids were so young and everything, it was relatively easy because they weren't in schools. You know, they didn't really have a bunch of mates. They weren't in clubs or anything. And we literally just packed up. And within three months, I think, we were out here living. So, yeah. And, and it was mainly wow. because we wanted the kids to live this like outdoor feral life, which they are now doing. Um, and my husband could work remotely. I can work remotely. So we just... We took the plunge and never looked back. What I really love is the difference in the season. So we get like a proper winter. We're under snow for four or five months and we get that winter sport, which I love. We get into a bit of cross-training chat, I'm sure, in a minute. And then the snow melts and it becomes biking and running and and hiking and stuff. And I really love that difference in the seasons, which the UK tends to be just kind of like overcast it's interesting actually edwina because that's one of the reasons personally i really love the off-road sort of just trail running and nothing too kind of crazy mountain running but uh, and the reason I, I i enjoy that is because you do experience slightly more variation in i suppose conditions and environment than you do if you're just running on the road as i often say it's just kind of wet or dry really pretty much and what's the color of the sky above you whereas at least when you get on the off-road things do t- start to change a little bit not as dramatically as i imagine they do from what you tell us in where you are in, in France but it's nice to experience that obviously you've got a a clear love for the outdoors just focusing on your training for a moment your background so I'm assuming you still run and train at the moment former triathlete is an age-graded triathlete competing at Olympic distances Ironman distances is it your bag that sort of environment where you are at the moment the mountains in terms of running and training is that do you love being in that you know do you do you miss flat roads or is that just not in your mind it's funny because actually my skill set as a triathlete and then as an ultra runner was where I really thrived was when you put your head down on the bike in the Ironman triathlon you put your head down flat or kind of rolling and you just powered it ground it out and it was the same with the ultra running i was really good on like a long trail where there wasn't anything too technical you just put your head down turn the brain on off you go and of course here it's very different you've got it's a whole different skill set which i've learned the last seven years of uh of of trail running here is not like trail running in england but uh i love that i thrive on that yeah i absolutely i never get bored of training because i'm always looking at and it's the same for my clients different ways to train especially as we get a bit older um looking at different ways to train different ways to recover we don't need to be running flat miles looking at miles all the time and that was such a deal breaker moving here was like i never ever since i've moved here have looked at how many miles or the pace i've run because i'm more about i'm more about 
climbing up and looking at a view um, or conquering some sort of scary ridge or um, just working with the seasons, you know, going out and in the in the winter I have to go and run in like minus 20 and having the kit on and surviving that and taking the emphasis away from, I guess, that sort of like slight performance element, though I still look for the performance element, but actually I get so much more joy from just being outside um, in the mountains and every day being different. It's just so refreshing to where we lived before and it was the same routes and um, now here I can go out the door and I never run the same route um apart from a little dog jog um i can i can run a different route like every single day i'm so envious of that because being creative actually getting creative with training and route planning and managing training like in terms of diary and stuff that's actually one of the things i really enjoy about my own training and helping others people so coaching you're nodding away here i'm sure it's a case for you in fact the reason that we're chatting now is because we recently had one of your clients on uh, Sophie Power, who is incredible. If you didn't listen to that episode, really go back and check that out. Really inspiring lady. And she put you in a very good light, Edwina. She was, you know, clearly loves working with you. She knows. She, and doesn't, you want, her... she doesn't want 10 by 3 <laughs> minutes on a plan the next week. Absolutely. But the power we have as coaches, I love it. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm going to take it out on one of my runners. No, I'm not. Don't, if you listen to this, that's not, that's a lie. I'm not going to do that at all. But with your, um, so it was it was Sophie and her husband that you coach. Is that right? The two of them. And there's, that's an interesting dynamic isn't it because we always say you know you've got to kind of have a supportive group of people around you anyway an understanding partner if they don't run actually if they do run i think you need an understanding partner because you're both potentially goal driven and want to achieve things and you want to get out there running and if you've got kids as well it's like oh my gosh what in terms of i guess getting creative with training and that's a big kind of area to tackle i guess what are some of the things that you apply in your own training and other people's training to kind of keep things i suppose manageable but alive as well do you know what i mean interesting is what i mean by alive absolutely and i always i say to myself and i say to if i'm helping people with coaching or to clients the only limit is your imagination really with training actually the training philosophies are all the same you know people rewrite them and go oh this new training method it's actually all the same the actual components or the ingredients that you put into a training plan it's the way that you deliver them or it's the way um, for myself in which I I deliver them to myself to make to keep the body also the body thrives on change doesn't it if we always do the same thing it kind of gets comfortable with that so it's a way of keep sending it little I call them little shock waves to go oh look let's try this let's try this let's mix this up kind of like a bit of it's a bit like when you're feeding kids vegetables on a plate you kind of like mix it up and you hide the fact that this is going to be a bit of a heinous session you're going to make it sound like really interesting by like adding okay we're going to start with a little progressive element and then we're going to add in a little bit of strides and then we're going to do a bit of speed and then finish off with a little bit more of a tempo run and you i try and make sessions i'm not an entertainer and i again that's something else i said i'm not here you've got to still do the bread and butter of training you've got to do the easy runs you've got to do the recovery runs you've got to do some of that long runs you've got to do some of the sessions when you're like oh god put on a good podcast i've just got to get out of the door but for especially for things like ultra running that's part of the training is dealing with that the mental boredom it can't you can't constantly be um sort of stimulating your mind sometimes you've just got to be and i think in this day and age as well it's really hard because we're constantly looking for that the mental stimulation with the constant social media the constant noise to actually turn that off in training and learn to be quiet as well so i find 
I really love, I love sitting down. I do this on a Thursday and Friday and writing people's plans and being creative with all the sessions, but also looking at ways that I can teach them mentally to cope with the hardship that they're going to go through, how I can help them recover, how everybody, every different client ticks. And so some clients love sessions like that. And the minute when I start working with a new client and I get that feedback of, oh my God, I love that. Or I love pushing that. I'm like, yeah, make a note. She likes that session. Let's go from there. So I think that's one of the best things about coaching is actually working out somebody's plan and how you can really feed their enthusiasm and keep them motivated. It's so much more. It's so easy, I say, to the actual what goes into the session. It's all the other stuff that goes in, which is actually hard and takes time. But I love that. I I absolutely love doing that. It's a huge part of it, isn't it? And I think that's important to educate people on or, or just remind people of constantly that it's not just about the running it's the planning or it's the nutrition especially to use a word you used earlier which is performance if people are training for performance which means you want to go from point a to point b by the way so if you listen to this thinking i'm not a performance athlete i'm not a performance runner well if you want to break 28 minutes for a, a park run and you're currently at 30 guess what you need an increase in performance so you are i'm afraid you are absolutely in that category so you, it does change things a little bit and and things start to matter a little bit more because you're leading towards a real kind of specific goal i love what you say there about the ingredients as well the ingredients are what they are but it's when you put them in and how you use them and and things ebb and flow and and life changes and the clients will come to you with different things that happen in life be it good or bad and you've got to navigate those bumps in the road and i really enjoy that and it's also interesting what you say about the the sort of creative sessions and but i'm not a you know performer magician i can't you've still got to go out there and do the the bread and butter the easy runs i tell you what i find it a little harder edwina being uh, being honest with you is is when you've got somebody that's new that is perhaps either new to running or they're coming back to running and they don't really have that foundation of sort of aerobic fitness maybe they're coming back from injury or whatever and you've got to establish that before you start to put the funky stuff in there it's keeping them sort of on track with that and on path with that and hoping that they embrace the process because you can't start throwing all the funky stuff in yet and it's like look it is going to come when we start i say the first couple of weeks i want you to be bored you're going to be going you're going to be tapping on that training peaks going oh i can do this i said that's where we want to be I cannot, if I throw you into that deep end of the pool and I, and I, and I say, swim, swim, keep swimming, you're not coming out, you're going to drown, okay? You've got to, t- to be really comfortable in the first couple of weeks and we're going to underperform you to slowly... We, I often talk about the foundations of a house and if you don't build those strong foundations first, it's going to look good because you're going to build it really quickly and you can add all sorts of extra little things, but it's going to crumble um, before you know it. Something will start hanging off. So build those strong foundations first but I look at different ways to find to kind of keep them busy so I add in all sorts of like some calf mobility work some pl- little bit of plyometrics a little bit of we always I do a lot of strength and conditioning alongside my running plan so we can you can start building that so that they feel like oh they're starting doing something new but also that they can see the progress because that's what we all want as runners or triathletes people at life as humans we want to feel and generally as runners we're overperformers. we always want to feel like we're progressing um and so i think you just look at different ways when you start with a new client of how you progress them letting the running kind of happen naturally um and i always encourage especially my older athletes to find discover or look for some form of cross training because as much as we love running and it's our best friend it can also be an absolute little 
and we have to look at other ways to train, other ways to recover, and ultimately it will make us a more round, more rounded and better runner if we can do a little bit of training with another sport as well. So there's lots of ways that you can keep people um, motivated in those early stages. But yeah, I always say to people, be prepared that you're not going to feel that this is super hard. If it is, we need to back off. And then I say, don't worry. This time in three months, you're going to be going, I can't do it so hard. <laughs> Bring back the easy runs. <laughs> Where have they gone? Three by 20 minutes <laughs> a week, please. It's a... It's absolutely true, though, because if you're listening to this, whether you have coaching or you don't have coaching or you're considering coaching or you, you, you're getting a plan out of a book or you're creating your own, it is that patience. And, and, and it's like you've got to move through the different phases. You're an ex-teacher. I'm sure you can relate to this, Edwina, that I often say to people that if, if you miss a week or two weeks of training and they're really kind of specific stuff, you can't just like jump pick up where you left off in terms of just move on to the next phase rather you've, you've got to tick those boxes you've got you've got to work for, through the curriculum you don't just go well I missed that year it's fine we'll just crack on now no you, you, you've got to go through the process and it, it there is a deg- degree of patience you know, we were speaking earlier about the the tolerance levels and people's lack of patience with there's so much information at the moment and social media and we're just bombarded that we can lose our attention really really easily and one thing that I find I try to help people with and being really honest, Edwina, I'm not very good at this myself. You know, sometimes we're better at helping other people with this. Oh, for than sure. And it's something you mentioned earlier with regards to moving over to relocating to France, and that's decision. When you said to your husband, look, you just I can't I'm overloaded, just you need to sort that decision wise. And I think death by decision is a real thing. I just you know, you know what I'm saying here? Just make a decision, sometimes even if it's the wrong one. And I think when people are left to their own devices, do I do this route? Do I do that route? I could do it tomorrow. What? Maybe I should. Oh, I've read this book and I'm, oh, maybe this is the way to go. Maybe low heart rate training. Oh, I could do that. Oh, should I put some more hills in? It's like, oh my God, this thing that should bring you great joy in life actually is becoming this real stress bomb, which we speak about a lot on the show, actually, Pete, don't we? We talk about how the, import, the importance of that hobby that we choose to do should bring you joy. It should bring you happiness, you know. That's that's really, really important, I think. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. If you're not careful, it can turn ugly. <laughs> well, it's a relationship, isn't it? Mm. And so there are times when it will turn ugly. There's going to be times when you hate it. You know, it's a bit like a marriage. There's going to be times when you, you, you love it. And it's learning to live with that. And the other thing I think about in those early stages, or if you're just getting back into running, perhaps you've had a baby, a family, a big life change, any other stress you have to... Um, thinking that this is where um, a lot of people don't realize is that any other stress affects your body and affects your mental well-being and you have to take that into account and I think when people start working with a coach as well it's about building the running into the life so it's so it's sustainable so if you've got a family and this is where Sophie and I we actually I'm sure her husband won't mind the same but we 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 um, communicate and we plan his training um, and then she tells him and we write spreadsheets and I have them both up and I say right Sophie what do you want to do and then we'll put John can have the shift the late afternoon shift (laughs) he doesn't mind because he just wants to be told what to do but I think in those early stages it's all about as well forming a habit and also working out how it can fit into your life because it can't be an extra stress there's going to be times when running is an extra stress when you're deep in that training plan you know you're four weeks out from a race and you've got your big long runs and that's okay as long as the rest of your life isn't a stress so as well in that sort of building block of, of running if you're just starting 
starting to think about running it's all about okay how can I fit the running in so it's sustainable it's sustainable for me it's sustainable for everybody around me and for the rest of my life and that it makes me feel the best and that's often people saying oh I fit my run in and then I don't have time for breakfast and then I go and do them and I'm like well maybe that's not the best time to run maybe we look at a different point in the day when you can run or maybe sometimes you don't need to run that day and actually having a rest is a good idea and an extra day's rest is always going to be good we could always rest more as runners or athletes that's uh, something that i think lots of us have learned to our own detriment me especially sustainable i really like that edwina i think that is just so on the money you know that consistency that you want a long life of running mm. and training and cross training. Mm. I, I, and certainly, as I say to people, you want to at least be in the position to make the decision to stop if you choose to. I think most people don't just choose, right, I'm actually going to stop. It's either, I don't know, motivation drops off or hopefully not, but an injury or something stops them in their tracks. But you want to be in a position where you go, well, I'm, I'm just choosing not to do this or I'm choosing to continue it for the long term. So being sustainable. And I love what you said about other people as well. It's not just about you. It's about you know work and family and, and everybody else around you. Is it sustainable? Does it, does it, does it fit? with everything else that you've got going off in life you know that is just like so so important we mentioned cross training that's getting a little bit more positive press shall we say recently i sense that more people are open to it whereas it used to be a thing that people did if they had to if they couldn't run because they were injured but they could get in the pool do you think people are more open to it now what's your view on cross training yeah and i think also with the um with as equipment for cross training and gyms are also much more open to cross training and i think people see the benefits everything sort of moved on i think with zwift on bikes that's as a toad was well, been a game changer for me a game changer for lots of people that instead of having if they need to especially busy people that if they've got the or they haven't got childcare and they've got that indoor option and swift just buys into all our running terrible terrible um habits of like competitiveness just working really hard uh trying to beat everybody all the time but it's got lots of other benefits as well but i think definitely people are seeing that in order to carry on this relationship with running and i'm learning this as i'm in my 40s now i want to be that 80 year old that's you know going up the mountains with her grandchildren and not having to be um, helicoptered off with bad knees i think people are realizing for that sustainability of their long-term health that running as beautiful as it is it is something that we have to nurture and look after and we can get our fixes from other sports and it's something i've learned from living here in the alps the first winter i didn't ski when we moved here i'd never skied i'd never even been to a ski resort and um and the first winter i was like ah it's easy this do you just put the skis on and you get off a chairlift and off you go and a little bit little bit too thinking of Bridget Jones Bridget Jones on skis for that and so I carried on running all winter in heavy snow on ice um, and I got to the end of the winter and of course I was absolutely exhausted from battling minus 20 all winter and um, running on really hard surfaces and I got into my running season and I was like God, I'm kind of done. I'm kind of done already. My knees hurt, everything hurt. And and then I thought, well, what is everybody doing who lives here? Of course, nobody's running in the winter. Everybody's skiing, what we call ski randoming, which is when you put skins on the bottom of your skis and you climb up the mountain on your skis um, and the binding sort of changes. Um, and then you turn, you stop at the top, uh, you take your skins off, 
click your boots in and you can ski down. Best workout ever. Are you still getting your outside fix? Um, Everybody's doing that. Everybody's doing all all the cross-country skiing. Nobody's running. I'm the only crazy English person running around here. Um, (laughs) uh, And then in the summer, even the best trail runners in the world, if you look at Kilian or anyone like that, John Alban, they're all, their running is actually quite a small part of their overall training. The hard stuff is nearly always done running in their running season, but actually the cross-training is what builds the volume, builds the heart, builds the endurance. And then, and so I've embraced that now. And then when I come to my like hard running sessions or long running sessions, I'm actually like, oh, it's like you meet a friend for a chat. I haven't, I haven't done it. I haven't been running for a couple of days. Oh, this is great. Rather than the grind, which I was beginning to feel after sort of 20 years of endurance running, I was beginning to think, I feel like I've done this before. So I think we can all find, and it doesn't have to be mega. It doesn't have to be four hours on a bike. And the other beauty of cross training is that you can work really hard cross training on the bike, on the turbo, on the rower, on the ski ergo, and and feel quite good a bit later or the next day. But working a hard running session, you can feel wiped out for the day and for the next day and for the next day. So it's actually a cheeky way of getting in more sessions as well. If you're going to coach, come on, I think I can do a little bit more. uh, You can actually add in a few more sessions of cross training as well as the running. So it's got a place in, in all plans. And Finally, if you do get injured or you need a bit of time out or you've got a young family at home, if you've got that cross-training tool there and it's not something that's scary and something you have to introduce into your life when you suddenly are injured or you are ill, you're quite used to it, it's a lot less of a big stress then to have to go, OK, I'm, I've got a niggle, I'm going to spend the week on the bike or I'm going to spend a couple of days on the rower or I'm going to spend a couple of days in the pool um as yeah as we said it's all about the sustainability and looking at the helicopter view of the whole plan and not just that next session which we all as runners get like if we miss that session life is over I'm completely with you on that and I think it's always helpful to have a plan b to have a backup to have a contingency so even if you think you know I I can only run three or four times a week and uh, or train rather and I I want to spend that time running and yada, yada, yada. Well, okay, but if you have a little bit of a niggle or your body gives you a little bit of a warning sign, can you adapt? Is there something else that you can do? Can you shift the focus slightly so that that niggle doesn't become a full-blown injury? Well, actually, if you're introducing some cross-training, you've got the option two, then there's a very good chance that you are safeguarding the body and your long life of running. So whether that's the pool or having a cross-trainer at home or a bike or whatever it is, definitely worth being open to it. And if you think you're not very good at it... It doesn't matter. You can always just go, I do it on the bike. I'm just a runner. So, yeah, when I'm skiing, I'm like, yeah, I just, yeah, by the way, I'm just a runner. I'm really good at running up this, but I'm not very good at skiing. <laughs> it's all just, exactly. it's, it, it's actually beautifully and it's empowering because you don't have to have any pressure. You could be the worst at it and it doesn't matter. And you can, and and I think like, we can take away all that pressure you feel and running when you're looking at your pace and you're like, oh my God, I've got to be faster. I've got to be, for cross track, just go out and enjoy it. And I find that really empowering. And I also think it gives me and a lot of people I work with a much more healthy relationship with running because it cannot be all about the running all the time because that's unsustainable. Um, Especially when you've got other things in your life, conflicting interests, being flexible and being able to change is key to that sustainability of that running plan. But also it's a great tool for an ultra runner or a marathoner when you have to make those decisions on the fly, you've got to make changes. Oh, this has gone to pot. I'm not hitting this pace. Oh, my stomach's gone south. Oh my God, I can't do this. All those sort of things are like, well, I, I do with that. I deal with that in my every 
everyday life. I deal with that. I'm flexible. I can make changes. I can read the plan and be like, I feel tired today. I'm going to change it. You have the power. So I do believe it is it is giving the athlete the power to actually listen to their body rather than to go, well, on Garmin plan, it says that. So I've got to do that now, which to me is ridiculous. It's got to be organic. So clearly you're super passionate about all things running and super passionate about helping your clients, your coaching business. But let's just talk you for a moment, your training. You're a runner, you're an athlete. It's what, what yeah. you've done. I listened to a recent episode of Run to the Hills with you and Gary, and you used a phrase. You said, I'm back up to an hour running now. That doesn't sound... I mean, it sounds positive, but it sounds like there may have been a bit of an issue. What's going on? Are you all right? There's a little, there's a little blip. There's a little blip. I made some fundamental errors this winter and um, I can blame it on everybody else, which is what I'm going to do. Uh, I We had a really, really busy winter. With, as I um, preluded to earlier, the kids ski like crazy beasts and so um are literally every when they're not at school i'm driving them around terrifyingly snowy alpine roads through ski races through ski trading and i have to fit in all my own training and i still do train at a very high level so in the winter i'll be looking at 20 to 25 hours worth of cross training and running and strength um and fitting that all in and i i carried on doing that but i I lacked um, a little bit of compassion to myself and I pushed and pushed and pushed going, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. And I sort of ignored a few warning signs. I bought some new ski boots and they rubbed the back of my Achilles so bad that it like really irritated the tendon. And I just ignored it thinking, it'll be fine, you know, like we all do. It'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll all be fine. And then when I started to build the running back in, the Achilles went, oh no, no, I don't like it, Eddie. You're going to need, it shouted really loud. So um, it's taken me a long time and it took me a long time as with all injuries and we've all had injuries and it's part of the journey is being injured we're always gonna um be pretty close to an injury when we push ourselves as hard as we do um it took me a long time to face up to the fact that i it was injured and then it took me a long time as well not a long time but you know a couple of weeks to be like what what's the protocol i'm going to use to get this better and what am i going to do and i have to stick to it so i did something actually talked to somebody on our podcast um a running specialist and he was like the best thing you can do about it with an injury is educate yourself as deeply as you can about that injury and look at all the different things that you can do to help and heal and work out what works for you and then stick to it stick to it stick to the physio stick to what it is so as soon as I made that decision I was like right okay I hands up I'm injured I gotta stop and I started actually doing the exercises going to the physio it instantly started getting better funnily enough sadly I was going to be doing the summer spine challenger which is a 110 mile run across the Pennine Way because I'm doing the big winter spine in January but I can't do that so I've just had to move my plan shift my plan down the year which again is fine it's all about flexibility and um just working out you can't fast your body into doing something it doesn't want to do but with every injury and every little setback I always feel I come back stronger come back stronger having learned a little thing uh, it's all about the process and the other great thing is that my kids see this happening and they are training they love their sport they're learning about winning and losing um, they're learning about they're getting little niggles little injuries there and they see their mum coping with the same thing and I think that is what sport can teach us so much about 
resilience and determination and patience, which is not a virtue I have been hugely blessed with. Oh, what is <laughs> patience? I, I mean, define that these days. It's, we just want it now. <laughs> God damn it. Not tomorrow mm. or next week or mm. in a year's time. But it's that process, isn't it? You talk about with injury and, of course, it, it happens to everybody. If you go through the whole of your running career, your running life and never pick up an injury... Well, first of all, I think you're lying. I think it's highly unlikely. And it's how you adapt and learn from it. And like you say, you know, you've got to have that patience and embrace, right, okay, this is a real thing now. I'm going to back off. What am I going to do to get pragmatic, have a plan and be consistent? It's interesting. I'm, I'm smiling here because there is something where, and I've made this mistake before, being honest with the mistakes and stuff. You know, you say about, oh, I didn't, didn't really listen. I thought it'd be okay. And it wasn't. But I used to be in the camp of, right, once, if I get an injury, you know, bear with a sore head, all that stuff, then I accept, okay, right, let's, let's get, let's get it fixed. And then I read something that it's good for this particular injury. I don't know, car phrases for <laughs> building strength back of an Achilles strain, let's say. So I'd just do them all day. Not quite, but do you know what I mean? I'd go too far the other way and do too much. I'd just mm, keep like, mm. oh, foam rolling's good, so I'll just do that for hours on end. It's mm. finding that balance, isn't it? I think we're just so mm. ambitious as runners. We just want to get back quickly, don't we? It's miserable being injured. Yeah. God. Oh, it's it. terrible. But that is when, like, cross-training, because so I've embraced the bike. Mm. I've embra- embraced swift racing. I've had to buy a fan because I just could not sweat anymore. Um, and so I've actually really enjoyed that part of it. And I'm going to definitely, um, as I'm building my running back up and I'm looking at my programme and different changes that I could make, and I'm like... And, and again, with age, we have to look at it. I'm like, I used to be able to do three running sessions a week and a long run. And realistically now, I can't do that. I can't do that. I think probably more like one hard session a week, one medium and a long run. So it's all about, yeah, as we said, it's all about learning and moving forward. And it's not being the end. You know, as our journeys as runners go through our sort of life as well, it's just changing. And as I said, it's just a journey and it's just embracing that. And I think also as as I get older as well, I'm more comfortable with that. That's cool. If I miss a race, if I'm not as fast, if I'm not as... As long as I'm strong and I'm coping well, with it, that's much more important to me now, especially as a mum, as long as I show the kids that I don't sulk, that I don't give up, that I don't, you know, do stupid... St- well, <laughs> I do do stupid stuff but as long as I acknowledge that that was a bit stupid um that to me is much more important that's where I am with my life in sport now than worrying about my 10k time or my 5k time and I think a lot that that resonates with a lot of people as well as we get older and I think a big thing that people can learn from what you you've said with with your experience of the injury Edwina is is that managing expectations because all of a sudden you're going well wow progress here I, I did an hour and then I went out later in the day did a double day and I did 30 minutes that might not be at the same speed or distance or elevation or anything that you've, you've done previously, but you, you, you're reassessing goals and managing expectations, and then you've got greater chance of meeting those expectations and therefore feeling proud of yourself, feeling happy, a big beaming smile. Set the bar low! Set the bar low and you're going to achieve. Set the bar low. That's it. Come on, low achievers. Love it. On that note, Edwina, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, just tell me, when are you doing the spine then? Are you are you going to do the full Monty or has that been pushed back, pushed yeah, back? Yeah, I'm doing... So that so that's great because that is my ultimate goal. So I'm like, I've got to get there. I've got to be the strongest Eddie that I can be on that start line. And it's not until January. So I've got a ton of time to, to rebuild 
rebuild number 844 times that I've done in my lifetime. So, yeah, that's my biggest goal that I've ever faced, uh, 240-ish miles along the Pennine Way in January. Um, so that, yeah, that's got six, seven months now. So everything's eyes on that. It's been a pleasure. I've got one last question for you. Are you ready for this question before I release it into the air? Do All right. it. All right, then. Here we go. <laughs> um, this is your weekly dose of running motivation. What does the word motivation mean to you to me motivation is all about just getting out of the door every day however that looks and always trying to be the best you can be wherever that is in your life whatever else is going on whatever you're coping with just try and make that day and be the best that you can be edwina pleasure catch up soon bye running with jake the podcast thanks to today's guests let's crack on with hashtag ask jake today's question comes from abigail who has a 5k race coming up and she's not very experienced with racing 5ks and she wants to know the best way to pace it whether to try and run it evenly or set off quicker or try to finish faster abigail it can work differently for different people the difficulty here is experience or lack of i always say to people when you're first racing a specific distance especially something short and fast like a 5k it's really helpful just to have an open mind and just build the experience from the occasion so that should be i think the main goal when you first go and race this 5k having said that don't be afraid if you set off too quickly and end up dropping off the pace in the in in sort of the middle of the race which is what happens to a lot of people typically setting off a little bit too quick dropping off in the middle of a 5k and then as you see the end in sight hopefully you've got a little bit of motivation and energy in reserve that you can kind of pick the pace up a little bit so don't be afraid if that happens but the main thing is learn from it because if you do set off too quick the next time that you do a 5k race you'll know that and you have a better idea of what sort of pace you should be setting off at i hope that helps best of luck don't forget to enjoy it and learn from the experience if you've got a question then it's hashtag ask jake or drop us a quick email at podcast at runningwithjake.com so if we do have new listeners to the show today do you think we should tell them that this is the part of the show where we we wrap things up we we end the show do do we need to do that i don't think we i mean they might be new listeners but they're not stupid when we wrap the show up they're gonna go they're gonna know we're wrapping the show up i think if we say we're wrapping the show up the problem is if we say we're wrapping the show up they go right that's it i'm gonna turn off and so this bit nobody hears do you know what i mean that's the problem ah yeah but at the very end of the show there is actually something to stay there for. So it's probably worth mentioning that at the very end of the show, there's definitely something to worth worth staying there for. I'm not going to say any more. I'm not going to say... But this is the wrap-up. It's only the beginning of the wrap-up of the show. But now you're building it up, and it's all about managing expectations. We talk about this a lot with running. When you're doing a race, you need to manage your expectations, otherwise you're setting yourself up for disappointment and failure. You, my friend, are setting people up for disappointment and failure with the end of the show. This is not the end of the show, by the way. Don't worry, you already flagged it up as the end of the show, so they've stopped listening anyway, so it's just you and me. No one will actually hear this bit that we're talking about now. Oh, fine. What are you up to for the rest of the day, mate, much? Um, just uh, sit down and scratch your balls, I think. That brings really. us to the yeah. end of you? another episode of Running With Jake, the <laughs> podcast. If you never tune in to another episode, I will completely understand. It will make me sad, but I will understand. Have a great rest of the week. Whatever you're up to, stay safe, run well, and we will be back next week for another dose of running motivation. Oh, and one more thing. Dreams don't work unless you do. 